1: Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602 960 It's Open Lines Friday. Anything you want to talk about, we are here for you. And uh, we'll start, we'll kick it off with Doug in Maricopa. Hello, Doug.
0: Hi, Seth. How are you today?
1: I'm doing fine. How are you?
0: I'm excellent. You know, you had uh, mentioned earlier in the show talking about that uh, uh, we conservatives have to fight for the culture as much as anything else. I'm a strong believer in that. I, I think many on our side have poo-pooed that any time we try to fight for anything in the culture, um, they, they kept saying, don't talk about that, don't talk about that, just talk about taxes and tax reductions and that kind of thing, making it basically economic. But I beg to differ, because one of the things, and it's a quote we, we hear often, but it's, it, it's it's very insightful from John Adams, basically. It says that our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. Moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. And we have to realize that... The whole idea of, of a free economy is to allow the mo- greatest amount of liberty within s- civil society. But our founding fathers wisely knew that this whole republic set up was devised for a moral people. And if we aren't moral and morality can break down, there aren't enough rules to regulate us to any sufficient degree. You can't regulate morality. And so it is, and you can say right away, well, that's fine, we're supposed to be religious people, but it is, as a religious and as a moral people, the culture is a reflection of our morality and our individual culture. And so I think that is the first thing that we have to do. It is not a fight for, it is not the last thing.
1: You know, I, um, I, Doug, I appreciate and thank you for this. Uh, stay with me a sec because you used a, a phrase I hadn't heard in a while and it used to be everywhere and that was you cannot legislate morality. It, you, you, you recall that kind of notion was much bigger in the 90s um, when the Republican Party – through uh, some of the efforts and works, obviously, speeches <clears throat> of Dan Quayle and some of the activism of people like uh, James Dobson or the Family Research Council, um, there, there, there was, there was a, um, a moral beat, shall we say, <clears throat> to, the, uh, to the Republican Party in the 1990s. And um, it, it, it arose, I think in direct proportion to, quite honestly, what Bill Clinton represented in the Democratic Party, both from, you know, his personal behavior to basically trying to undo so many of the reforms of the past 12 years under the Reagan-Bush administration. Reagan himself was comfortable with the language of morality. Bush himself was not So it almost seemed as if there was a a re-energized effort to uh, bring back the domestic concerns, the domestic, uh, shall we say, paternalism of Reagan as opposed to George H.W. Bush who dismissed it as, quote-unquote, remember, the vision thing? The notion of not legislating morality never worked for me. Uh, And I have to tell you, it never worked for me because I think when you think or when any of us think about the issues that affect us most, they tend to actually be moral issues. Should someone have the right to say something or not and where? Should someone have the right to believe something or not and act on it? Should someone be able to form their family uh, a certain way? Does race matter? Does it not? Does education matter? Does it not? Does crime or drugs or illegal immigration matter? Or do they not? Even if you don't like the words illegal immigration, just call it what every country that ever organized itself called it, which was sovereignty. I don't know how these aren't issues uh, with a moral heart or center to them. In fact, I even think economic issues can be seen and should be seen as moral issues, certainly tax issues. And if you want to talk about the homeless issues, we are talking about moral matters in California. It is a moral decision to pay drug addicts as opposed to not paying drug addicts. It is a moral decision to punish variants of homicide, is it not? I don't. I don't understand where this notion we don't legislate morality ever came from.
0: You know uh, what? What you just said, I, w- I was going to respond earlier with a statement, and I think you kind of answered it in, in in the vein I was. I was going. You answering, We already legislate morality. We have to realize, I believe, that the left uses that argument that you can't legislate morality. When it is pushing its own morality,
2: mm-hmm.
0: because you already are making a moral choice that's right when when you say that we can't stop illegal immigration, you are making the moral choice right. that that you are going to support the illegal entry into America to the detriment of our citizens, both you know Hispanic and ethnic and you are making that choice it is a moral choice in the beginning it is an argument used to shut us up because if we stand by our morals we will fight hard and so they use that you know uh, argument to shut us up and we have for forty years stepped aside and say we're not going to do it we're not going to take this on but you so very i think correctly pointed out that every time you step away and you don't press a morality, you are already reinforcing and pushing another moral point. I you agree wholeheartedly,
1: and it's it's kind of like what George Orwell said about um, pacifism, isn't it? He said it's objectively pro-fascist, because if you hamper right. the war against the fascists, you automatically are helping them out, right?
0: Yes, totally. And And, and by not fighting against slavery... In, in the 40 choice, years the running way. up to right. the Civil, it, it, yeah, it, that is a moral choice to allow slavery to occur. Mm-hmm. And, and the great battle of the evangelical Christians for that 40 years leading up to the Civil War was to make people realize you can't turn away from this moral choice. That's right. We have to, because to say, I am not for slavery, but I'm going to let it endure, does not fly when you let it endure, you are enforcing slavery. And that goes for every moral choice that we make in our life. And, and I think we have too often bought the libertarian argument, both uh, civilly and you know culturally and economically, and I did for decades, and I have turned strongly away from it, uh, because it allows tremendous Im- immorality in cultural and economic damage to occur. And I think we have to go back to our founders. They knew that we need to be a moral and religious people and that all things economic and civil within our society are based off of those moral choices. Uh, it, they are.
1: And even, even, even the word economics is in its um, etymology In its Greek etymology comes economia from the word household organization, how you organize your house. And when you think of it that way and you think of um, – you you think of, Doug, the kinds of things we want to fund with the kinds of taxes we raise, every single one of those is a moral choice as was obviously – Fighting slavery, as was obviously passing the Civil Rights Act, the notion that you couldn't legislate morality would be a notion alien to Washington and Adams, as you certainly point out. But equally alienating to Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Martin Luther King, and quite frankly, probably everyone who's ever marched in a protest or engaged themselves in civil disobedience whatsoever every single one of them which is to say every single one of us the republican party was founded by the way on this in its very first platform you know this it was founded to combat quote the twin relics of barbarism slavery and polygamy there were no two greater assaults on morality or really the family if you want to call it family values than slavery and polygamy. Polygamy, we obviously know uh, its, uh, its impact on family formation and uh, wives. Uh, slavery, could there could have been nothing more disruptive to the family than slavery. When you think about what was necessary to maintain and sustain it, ripping husbands from wives, if you were allowed them to marry in the first place, cousins from cousins, brothers from sisters, there was nothing more anti-family and slavery. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Rima's in Scottsdale. It's been a long time. Hello, Rima.
3: Hello, wonderful Seth. I uh, want to thank you for never changing, getting <laughs> just better and better. And oh, you are so sweet. Oh, you
1: are so sweet. Thank you.
3: The- best program anywhere oh, on, in, on the air, yes. uh, and I, I'm, I'm glad you're not going to the television. We would miss you too much.
1: <laughs> you don't want to see me on TV, Rima. <laughs>
3: no, don't. no. You are gorgeous, handsome, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> lovely, lovely man. But if you go there, we will see ne- less of you. We will have less uh, classes to learn oh, from. Oh, you're so
1: sweet. I think radio's more um, conducive to what we try to do here, Rima. I think people listen closer to radio than television right i think so i think it's a more intellectual form
3: exactly and more uh we become one family
1: yes we are a family here i agree with that
3: and a a true true friendship not a fake one fake news fake friends this is true friendship i don't know of any
1: television show where audience members were praying for other audience members like we've done here it's yes. just it's a very 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 special thing you all have built with me thank you
3: because you are our wonderful professor and we love you and we never miss hardly ever any of our yes. classes so thank we you. have excellent attendance thanks so so Tess, i was going to tell you that i i never give up till yep. my last breath yep. i am you know I'm a rebel by yep. nature, yep. but I am. I see around you, and you've seen it for a very long time. Unfortunately, um, I don't see it among the people that love this nature, uh, this nation that came in and became lawfully naturalized and took the exam and studied for it, and cried. I had mascara all over my <laughs> face as a young woman, <laughs> crying and saying and tore up my passport and said, Today I am reborn and uh, God-given beautiful gift to the whole world, the United States of America. Uh-huh. So to see the people that are born here to cower down and to give in and dishonor the beautiful framers, the founders, they give us this amazing, based on God's laws, constitution, uh, like Doug said, without um, uh, a moral Uh, governed body, Mm -hmm. you know, the people. Mm -hmm. It cannot be sustained, and that's the problem. From the beginning, people were uh, uh, frightened of calling immorality and uh, abominable behavior uh, what it is, lest they be called this or that, Uh you know, the big big slew. But at the same time, then we cannot be in obedience to God. That's right. If we don't right away say, you know... I respect your li- right. Keep it behind doors. Do whatever you like. Mm-hmm. You like The mm-hmm. rest of us don't need to know about that. Uh, and then we will love you, we'll be friends with you, we'll, we'll protect you, we'll be there for you. We just don't want to know it. But mm-hmm. if you come out, then we calmly will tell you this is abomination. God says no. So when they gave up a long time, especially the so-called Republicans, Always cower down, they they abrogate their duty to be moral people, to be the guiding light Mm -hmm. to uh, the people that they're so-called being represented by these people. And we can't ever get rid of them. A long time ago, I knew the elections were rigged when I lived in California, and then we moved here, because I knew lots of people, including me, we go vote, nothing happens. The (laughs) same horrible cockroaches keep coming out. You know, you cannot spray these things. There is nothing that got rid of them. So it was obvious. And I think the blessing of um, the 2020 election has been that now everybody, I think many even on the left know, that they only won because improprieties. It was all a total joke. You know? Uh,
1: the question, they never won. Reema, the question that plagues me, tell me what you think. Mm-hmm. The question that plagues me is... Have enough Americans, never mind conservatives or Republicans, but you could answer it that way too. Have enough Americans figured out what the left will do to win? Have they figured out what the stakes are? Have they figured out that there's nothing they will stop short of, including lying, to obtain power? And that when they do obtain power, they will exercise it, not... As a country that's divided, not as a country that's 50-50 or 49-51, but as if they had a mandate, having hoodwinked the American people and its institutions, they act as if they now have a true mandate to fully revolutionize the country. Do you think enough Americans understand that yet?
3: Any American who doesn't reverend God... He does not reverence god they will not use the brain that god gave them they will go by emotions and feelings instead of deliberating through think about it like a god tell you meditate on it mm-hmm. therefore i don't think they will ever change because they watch the garbage c uh cnn and all that trash and they don't think for themselves they refuse to have a dialogue with the rest of us yeah they lecture us and uh, they lecture Our us and then they have... silence
1: us. It's a lecture. Yes. it's a, They, they yes. don't. They don't want questions. They don't want feedback. They don't want responses. It's a lecture. And we
3: can, I, yeah. And we can identify and support, you know, in a rational, kind, loving way. But we get almost like <laughs> there's there's no reaching them. I think they are lost to us. But I truly think that there. Lots and lots of people that love this nation, and this is the last breath because, you know, they're going to, like lemmings. They're all running the left to the cliff. They're going to, they just want to go there. Uh, that is their choice. I don't think they will change. But I see a lot of people uh, waking up that were, uh, they really didn't care right, left. They were just, you know, black, white, and purple people that that just now all of a sudden said, I don't want a communist country. Yeah and and uh and they start to listen, because I, I talk to a lot of people, and they've never voted before, and they're black people, they're Hispanic people, the people from all over Russian people, and I love the Russians, they all like me, they absolutely treasure this beautiful republic and by the way, if I may, it drives me nuts from everybody, including you, my dearest heart, when you call them the democratic party Ah,
1: uh, yes. yeah yes. That, it yes. It drives
3: me nuts. You don't there's, want me to do it, huh? Th- okay. No, no, because these people are not even on the left. They're communists, sir. They are communists. I They're have ours. now
1: taken to calling them, of course, Marxists. And leftists. Yes. I don't. Yeah. Yes. I, and and if I if I do have to describe the part, Rima, you tell me if I'm wrong here. The only reason I say Democratic Party is because that's what they call themselves. That's the only reason I, I do it.
3: I know, but it's the Democrat, not the Democratic, because then it means that the Republicans are not Democratic. And this is a representative republic, so it is not a democracy. That's mob rule. But let's not fall into them and call it the Democratic Party. Then that makes us undemocratic.
1: Okay. Don't, okay, don't I'm say, following your line, and it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm going to try.
3: Well, forgive me. I had to put not it in all. there. Not at, all. So not at all. We love you so much. God
1: you You have much. no reason to ask for forgiveness. I do. I do, for doing something um, somewhat... Uh, Somewhat misleading. Let me work on it, and you call me out, okay? You call me out if I miss it.
3: Thank you for being the voice of hope. Thank you so much. Rima, Uh,
1: lots of love to you. God bless you.
3: God bless you so much. Thank you.
1: You bet. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Demetrius is in Phoenix. Hello, Demetrius.
2: How are you, Seth? How Uh, are you doing?
1: I'm well. How are you?
2: Good. I was listening to your last caller, and um, I I was totally impressed by her logic and her passion. But, uh, you know, the thing that I really, what it comes down to, I believe, is that Many of us have lost the courage to speak the truth and speak what is right because we just want to get along. We don't want to be bothered. We don't want to be challenged. And we don't want confrontation. Well, our God never made us to be that way. Our God put us on this earth to be confrontation, to speak the truth, to To adhere to to the commandments and to be righteous in everyone's eyes, and that's where I feel that we as Americans is we're losing that.
1: Do you, um, Demetrius? Do you have a uh, a fair number of acquaintances? I don't even want to say friends necessarily, but people you know of even. Do you have a fair number of people you know of who agree with you believe the way you do?
2: Yes, yes I do.
1: So the yes, question I, I have is and I and I and I obviously agree very much with what you're saying. The question I have and no one has been able to do a really very good job of answering it for me is I know a lot of people like that too. You do. Why is it so stinking hard? Why is it so stinking hard? For so many in our movement to be so brave and so courageous and so what intellectually honest and open with their opinions when people when 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 you know they're talking to, to to their acquaintances and friends but won't do it where it matters won't do it in the public sphere won't do it amongst people whose opinions they may not share won't do it. Uh, against um, against against governing boards or school boards. Why are so many people afraid to speak this this truth you speak of? Um, some of them have been rightly in, rightfully intimidated, rightfully in the sense of justifiably intimidated. I understand that. Um, if people say we know where you live or we know where you work, uh, that's its own form of intimidation, which I can't blame people for wanting to to protect. Um, I, I understand that. But that's, that's not happening, probably, to the vast bulk of Americans. Um, that having been said, it's not comfortable to be called a racist. And the Democrats have, and the left has, made that the first rejoinder in response to nearly everything we say. Is that why we're cowed, Demetrius?
2: No, I think that the, the thing about it is we just want to put our most people don't want confrontation. Look at what happened in Germany. Look, look at the, Look at the Jews in Germany. They were kowtowed to not say anything, to not be bold, to to basically, you know, uh, let's just get along. It'll get, it'll get better. But it doesn't get better. History proves that. History proves that my father, my father fought against fascism fascism and communism all his life. The thing about it is is that even now I have dear friends, lifelong friends, that 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 are of the other of the other side. And they look at me and they said, well, uh, because we know that you're 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 an immigrant in this country. We know that your parents are are Greeks, right? However, however, because of the way you look You've had like privilege you know I can't help it if I look like I'm a white anglo-saxon Protestant from Vermont okay
0: <laughs> right
2: is that where was my white privilege when I got drafted and I and I fought for my life yeah
1: no I, I I get it hold hold the line because I got to take a break I'll just tell you this brief story you'll 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 you'll' appreciate on the way to the break demetrius but hold the line i have a, i have a very dear friend whose mom survived the holocaust in europe by dint of uh some very just and um and god lovely people who hid her out as a child you know in their attic and in their basements and different families did that but she lost her dad and her sisters all have tattoos on their arms And he was accused on a conference call with colleagues of, since he was the only white person there, having white privilege. And it just dawns on me, his family may have been through the tempest and storms worse than anyone else on that call. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson show portions of which are brought to you by my friends at Trades Unlimited. They're for all, here for all your roofing needs. Repair, installation, new, inspection. They're the company I use. I have met with these folks. I've been down to their offices. And as I say, I have used them as have other friends. They are the best. They have an A-plus rating at the BBB, Better Business Bureau. And of course, the moment you call them, You will understand why. Quality and service is what you'll come to know with Trades Unlimited. Right now, by the way, they want you to know if you have a foam roof, it's a great time to recoat it. The hot summer sun perfectly cures it. So protect your roof before the foam beneath the coating gets compromised by calling Trades Unlimited at 480-483-1775. Or find them online at TradesUnlimited.com for all your roofing needs. Demetrius and Phoenix, thank you for, for waiting, Demetrius. Um, if, if, if you had a, a, a further thought on this issue of conservatives and Republicans and courage, I'd love to hear it. Um, because it seems to me that when we show it, we win. When you offer people a strong horse, Reagan, Trump, you tend to win. When you offer people a weak horse, Mitt Romney, Bob Dole, John McCain, you tend not to.
2: I well, I, I agree. <clears throat> the thing for the thing for me, the thing that I, you know, as as you know, as 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 you study our Constitution, you know, and other documents that support our our uh, republic. The, the thing that most impressed me and most impressed my father was the courage these regular men had in defying a, a world power or or this gift of, of freedom and it seems to me is that we in general now based on uh, based on everything that we're facing are we we're, we're facing a, a, uh, a generation that is not in tune with with the, our founding principles because they're not taught, they're not shown. There there are people that just don't want to, you know, stand up. I've been I've been at parties and they've asked me questions and I've told the truth and I was ostracized. Yeah, you weren't invited back
1: probably. Yeah, but you slept better. <laughs>
2: well. Yes, I did. Yeah. You know, yes, I did. You let's talk about, talking, about but, the teaching. Um,
1: let's let's talk about that teachings uh, of America and the founding for a second, Demetrius, because I think you're half right. You'll agree with me in in my saying that you're half right. They don't teach it, but what they do teach is rot. So every Fourth of July, you can be certain of one thing: everyone will read an 1852 speech by Frederick Douglass. What is the Fourth of July to the slave? Uh, when there was slavery in america um in a part of America, in the minority part of America, not racial minority population minority states minority uh he did say that, and what you will find, whether it's someone like Colin Kaepernick or some other uh some so, some other uh b l m sixteen nineteen type, they will selectively quote from that speech which To be fair, up front is pretty critical of the United States, but towards the end is very um, enamored with and hopeful about the Constitution, calling it a glorious liberty document that never gets covered. But guess what? Guess what? I was reminded of this. um, A friend of mine, uh, a local friend of mine here, Bill, sent me uh, a reminder of this this morning. Guess what? There were other July 4th speeches of Frederick Douglass. It wasn't just that one. There was, for example, the speech of Frederick Douglass on July 5th, commemorating July 4th, uh, in 1875, after the Civil War was over and America had put white against white to end slavery. And in that speech, let me just quote Frederick Douglass, since we're about quoting him. Quote, While we were the victims of slavery and had no voice or vote in shaping our destiny, we have good reason to appeal to the benevolence of mankind. To ask for help in that condition involved no disgrace. But all has changed now. We are no longer slaves but free men, no longer subjects but citizens, and have a voice and a vote with all other citizens. A new condition has brought new duties, a character which might pass without censure as a slave, cannot so pass as a free man. We must not beg men to do for us what we ought to do for ourselves. The prostrate form, the uncovered head, the cringing attitude, the bated breath, the suppliant, outstretched hand of beggary does not become an American free man and does not become us as a class, and we will not consent to any longer representation in that position no people can make more desirable progress or have permanent welfare outside of their own independent and earnest efforts the burden of our demand upon the american people shall simply be justice and fair play for we utterly repudiate all invidious distinctions whether in our favor or against us and only ask For a fair field and no favor. Who teaches that? Not Ibram Kendi. Not the current critical race theorists who think they know more about black America than Frederick Douglass and its history, who tell us exactly, exactly that we should believe in invidious distinctions if they favor certain races. So when you say they don't teach American history, Demetrius, boy, are you right. And when they do, they teach it Has
2: wrought. Yes, I agree. I agree. I go like this. Well, all I want is a fair, a fair system.
1: Exactly. That was all Frederick Douglass wanted,
2: isn't it? A kind
1: of odd. Isn't it kind of odd that Frederick Douglass in eighteen seventy-five can say we are no longer subjects, we have a voice and a vote with all other citizens, that's 1875, where he can say all we want is a fair field and no favor, 1875, where he can say we should not have permanent welfare, 1875. And yet today we're told things have never been worse when it comes to African Americans and voting rights? I mean are they trying to kid us and the answer is no they're trying to fool us
2: Exactly Exactly And you know it and he was stating that in the midst of 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 the Ku Klux Klan and the Jim Crow laws or being getting getting pushed by the Democratic Party Oh
1: you he know, well knew what and, was uh, going on this was 1875 Florida. after all Oh yeah Oh yeah There were two horizons to see in 1875. Frederick Douglass saw what we went through and what we were capable of going through in the name of justice and fair play. And he saw a bright horizon. I don't know how you go through that and today see nothing but Stygian darkness. I just don't. I'll have more to say about that when we come back, because you're going to find an interesting ally to our side on this. We'll be right back. Portions of the show brought to you by our friends Chris Funk and his team at Cool Touch Air Conditioning and Plumbing. Cool Touch is the company I use, it's the company my friends use, it's the company my family uses for all your air conditioning and plumbing needs. They have a special unit right now they're selling that operates in the air conditioning realm like a light switch with a dimmer on it so that you don't have to have those unnecessary power surges to turn your AC unit on and off to keep the temperature you want. It's like a dimmer switch on a light so you get the most comfortable living environment and the biggest savings on your utility bills. That's what you get with CoolTouch, elimination of pain and surprise with fantastic customer service. They're also offering a $2,000 rebate on this new system. Reach my friends at CoolTouch at 623 7341932 or visit them online at cooltouchac.com. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Trust me, I've tested it. Cooltouchac.com for all your air conditioning needs. I have been so enamored with this speech that I, um, it, it, it rings a faint bell, so I think I may have forgotten about it. I think I knew about it once upon a time. I may not have. It rings a faint bell. But the speech of Frederick Douglass's from 1875, July 5th of 1875, it's all you have to show next July 4th or 5th when people start circulating his 1852 speech. What was the difference in Frederick Douglass's mind between July 5th or 4th, 1852, when we had slavery? and July 5th, 1875, after we had ended it. The difference was exactly this. He wanted and said the black man had full inheritance and obligation to celebrate the 4th of July. In fact, so much so, he reprints the Declaration of Independence in this speech. Let me give you a little more, Frederick Douglass. By the way, before I do... I have to tell you, it's really hard to find his full speeches online. It's really hard. It's not hard with a lot of famous Americans. Someone somehow, somewhere has made it difficult to read Frederick Douglass in full online. That needs to be fixed. Although, please forgive me for thinking it's probably somewhat deliberate as well. You can't know what Colin Kaepernick knows about Frederick Douglass If you read all of Frederick Douglass, you can only know what Colin Kaepernick knows about Frederick Douglass if you read Colin Kaepernick, and that's what they make available. But Frederick Douglass said in 1875, July 5th, it is our judgment. We have been in many instances injured, but we have been aided by so-called benevolent societies. And while they originate with and are originated by some good men, we must now begin to take care of ourselves. That's a message of empowerment you just don't hear very much. But notice what Frederick Douglass did do. He appealed and said the anti-slavery cause was an appeal to the beneficence of mankind. You bet. You bet. And that mankind were Americans.